that seemingly bad moment, that scary, embarrassing rock bottom actually was the best thing that ever happened to me because if I wouldn't have gotten that cease and desist, I'd probably still be going down that path. And who knows where it would have taken me. And what I came to learn was that the reason people don't put themselves out there or do the things they want to do is because they're afraid. This is a Soul Fire production. You are listening to episode 143, 143 of Yes And with me, Judy Holler. This episode is brought to you by our studio sponsor, Advocare. They are on a mission to help you look better, feel better, and perform better. And guess what? We have a code. So use Feel Better 1-5 to get discounts. That's Feel Better 15 to try it out, shop around, get discounts when you do that. And of course, support this podcast. Link in the show notes to shop and save. Speaking of Advocare, did you know that you can win some of my favorite Advocare products and all you have to do is leave a review of this podcast, screenshot it, and email it to me at hello at judyholler.com to get entered to win. We are going to pick two reviews every month and ship the prize to you at no charge. So yo, this is a great way to not only support this podcast, but try out Advocare for yourself. And listen, your reviews mean and matter so much. So I want to reward you for that. So jump on into iTunes, leave a quick review, screenshot it, and send it to me at hello at judyholler.com to get entered to win. We ship the products right to your doorstep. And trust me, it's going to be a vibe. Welcome back or welcome to the show. Yo, this is episode eight in a 12-ish part series I'm doing called The Key Series. And they are uh, 11 to 12. I'm kind of deciding what I'm going to do with the last one. Long story short, they are 12 different ideas and keys and business lessons I've learned over the years in the hopes that they're going to do the same for you. And the reason I'm calling it The Key Series is because saying yes gets you in the game, but and keeps you in it, which makes and the unlock. And here's the thing. Your old keys aren't going to open new doors, but new doors are the key to a better life and new doors require new keys. And this podcast and this series really truly is all about giving you new keys to help you unlock new doors. And last week, last week, we spoke about someday syndrome, someday syndrome and how someday I'm doing air quotes here. Someday isn't a day. And today we are going to discuss our eighth key, cease and desist. All right, buckle up. You ready? So today I want to share a story that I've never publicly shared or written about or spoken about here on the podcast or in my book or any of my work, but it's a story um, that was transformational for me. So I want to change that because it did transform me on so many levels. And it taught me one of my biggest life and business lessons, which is why I knew I had to share it here with you for the first time publicly. Um, What a lot of you may not know is that before I wrote Fear's My Homeboy uh, and started delivering talks on the power of the improv mindset and reframing fear and avoiding regret is that I was doing talks on personal branding. Like that was my shtick, right? Um, That was my niche. That was my little content bubble. And back in 2008, 2009, 10, 11, uh, in that 
era, I was filming a lot of video with a flip cam. Um, anybody remember the flip cam? Uh, basically, I was doing Instagram stories before Instagram stories existed. God, I could be a billionaire. I could have invented Periscope. I was out there Periscoping and Instagram storing myself. Damn, I wish I would have thought of it, but I digress. That's what I was doing, though. I was I was out there filming videos um, at events to sort of create FOMO and grow membership for an industry association I was a part of and ultimately went on to become president of. I also, while I was doing my flip cam video action, I was also sort of simultaneously um, blogging. I started this blog. You guys ready for it? You want to know the name of my first, my first business card had this on it. I shit you not. Inspired leadership. Inspired leadership. No, no, I cannot. I cannot. I mean, real creative. And here I am talking about personal branding and I'm writing a blog called Inspired Leadership. But yo, ready's a choice. Ready's a choice. We got to move. But anyway, so I'm blogging on inspired leadership. Uh, I started playing around in the early days of social media. I was on social media. I wasn't really on Instagram yet, but I was like putting myself out there, creating content, sharing perspective, and like using my energy, right? One of my superpowers to invoke action. And that opened a lot of doors for me. It got me noticed. It also got people paying attention uh, to me and the work I was doing. So I would get asked, oh my God, like, how, how are you doing that? And how do I do that? And, you know, what advice do you have so I can figure out how to work social media or, or grow membership for my association or bring that energy to our company and, um, have that sort of, sort of presence for my brand and my company, et cetera. So I decided because I was getting this question so much that I should create a talk, a talk I could give for freaks at a full-time job, right? working by day in sales and marketing, hotel company. I was working for Omni Hotels at the time. I was in the hotel business. So, you know, I thought, let's just create a talk for free, something that I could spin around at industry events and um, make the goal of that talk the ability to help people. Other people put themselves out there more confidently. And it was all about personal branding improvised because I was simultaneously taking improv classes at night and doing shows on the weekend and like by day rocking uh, my big career and growing my personal brand. So I was taking everything I was learning and like sharing it, right? So I had this free speech and my little blog and I was doing my social media and I was just rocking. Now, at this time, I had no idea I was going to write a book called Fear is My Homeboy or that I was going to end up having and building a full-blown keynote speaking business and career. I had no idea I was going to become an author. At the time, I didn't even think I wanted to write a book. I mean, I think if I'm being honest with you, I think deep down, I always knew that my greatest calling and my deepest desire um, in this lifetime is to is to public speak. I mean, speaking is the love of, of my life. It's the joy of my lifetime. And I think it's this special gift that I, I was given. And, and I feel grateful um, that I get to do that every day. And I think inside, I always wanted to, to, to figure out how to monetize that. But at the time, I, I guess I just hadn't, hadn't seen evidence of it being possible because my world was so different at the time in, in, in hotel sales and marketing, but I started going to events and watching speakers and started realizing like, oh my God, if they can do it, I can do it. But at the time, like 2008, 9, 10, 11, like I had no idea the book was coming. I, I didn't realize all this was going to be happening. So this is like baby Judy, right? Like early days of me finding my footing 
and trying things out. So I came up uh, with this like slogan. I was so proud of it. And I was using it. I had, I had a hashtag. The slogan was a hashtag. It was the title of my presentation. I put it on my business card. Um, and I was so proud of it. And I was just humming along and getting quite busy and starting to get paid for my speeches and building a little bit of a following, uh, certainly as it related to my perspective on personal branding. Then in, in the summer, I think it was the summer of 2014, I could be six to eight months off there. It might be, it might've been 15, but I think it was 2014. No, it was 2014. Anyway, summer, summer 2014, I get a letter in the mail and I open the letter and I quickly realize that it is a cease and desist letter. And I remember like time, even as I tell this to you, like, like anxiety, right? Panic, shame, like a blanket of it, just like envelopes me. Right. Um, and I remember like reading the letters by myself in my office. Um, we had just moved into a new, I had just moved to Ohio. We had just moved into this new place. So I had my first like official like office because my office was always like in a kitchen or a bedroom and hell yeah. Right. Like just making shit happen. But I remember being by myself in my office, looking around, reading it like legit. The police were coming to lock me up right then and there. Like, see, yep. They found me out. I'm a fraud. I'm a full-blown criminal, yo. Goodbye. Goodbye to life as I know it. It's slammer time, baby. Like, I was instantly thinking, like, I'm a criminal, right? Like, I'm a fraud, right? They found me out, and I just started freaking out. And I remember in an instant, my heart was racing. My hands got really sweaty. I had to sit down. I thought I was going to pass out. I had this, like I said, wave of shame and fear and anxiety. And it took my breath away. I had to read the letter like a thousand times to figure out what was going on because I just couldn't believe it. But in a nutshell, and I'm going to keep it vague because it was a legal matter. um, And there are certain things that need to remain private. But in a nutshell, there is a girl who I had, I've never met. Um, that was, that is living in California. She sent me a cease and desist letter, uh, because that catchy hashtag and presentation name that I had come up with and was using, um, she declared it was hers and that I stole it from her. And that if I didn't stop using it immediately, she was going to take legal action. Yo, it was horrible and sad and scary and shameful and embarrassing. Um, because Dude, I had never heard of this girl before in a a day in my life, right? I wasn't copying anyone. And frankly, frankly, I thought I had come up with something freaking epic, right? Little did I know all that hashtag attention I was getting with the catchy thing I came up with also got her attention. So instead of picking up the phone to ask me about it or say hello or learn more, she picked up the phone and called her lawyer. So there's a couple of things here we need to talk about. Number one, you may or may not know this, <laughs> but you don't, no one owns a hashtag. They are a search engine essentially on the platforms that use hashtags, right? Like, so for my hashtag, uh, so for my wedding, we had the hashtag, you had me at holla. So anybody could use that, but it was a way for all of us to sort of communally share photos. Conferences do this, you do this with your movement and the thing, I mean, we do this with fear boss, right? Like, so, you know, first of all, no one owns a hashtag, okay? Um, and if you want to own a hashtag, you better trademark it. I don't know if you can trademark a hashtag because the whole point of a hashtag is they're communal, but I, I'm not in law, but you really can't own a hashtag. And 
also, if you come up with something really catchy uh, that you think will last a long time, like I thought I had, or that you want to last a long time, baby, you better trademark it. That's why I got a trademark on Fear is My Homeboy. That's why I got a trademark on, we're trademarking House of Anne. That's why we're trademarking the ampersand we designed. That's why we're trademarked Fear Experiments, right? So if you want to own it, you better trademark it, right? So long story short, I was a budding entrepreneur. I did not have a clue about a lot of things. And frankly, I still don't. And I'm constantly figuring things out as I go. But what I knew is that I didn't have a lot of money and I didn't know a thing about trademarking. But, um, I got a lawyer involved to see what I could do. Um, I started asking around and talking to fellow speaker friends and ended up finding a friend of a friend who helped me um, find a trademarking lawyer. And I wanted to see what I could do. And ultimately, the girl in California beat me to it uh, by submitting her request for the name um, sooner than me, trademarking it, getting it, which meant that I did ultimately uh, lose the battle there and have to cease and desist. I was pissed. I was frustrated. I was embarrassed. I was still filled with shame. And I also now had $3,000 less to my bank account (laughs) because that's about what it cost in legal hours going back and forth with a stranger through our lawyers. I mean, annoying. Um, And I was most disappointed because this person was someone who supposedly shared the background and the mindset of an improviser and was doing the exact opposite of what a true improviser, a true ensemble member does, which is connect and support and communicate and have a conversation before judging, assuming, or suing. I mean, if she would have just picked up the phone and called me, who knows? Maybe we could have had had an epic collaboration or we could have co-created something awesome together, like a course or a book, or maybe we could have been business besties. And likely I would have heard her out and done what I needed to do to make her feel good and keep moving down my own path because I am by no means ever out to hurt or steal from anyone else. Plus, plus the world is big. And as a creative, we are always borrowing from the universe. So if you are in business, in business of any shape, kind, or size, you're going to likely come against this. And you might come up against someone questioning your intellectual property, someone questioning your authenticity, someone saying something you said is not yours or potentially sending you a cease and desist. And at the time, I thought this was like a massive rock bottom moment because all my work up until that point from a speaking and brand building perspective, was wrapped around and built into this word, this catchy phrase, this idea. It was the title of my keynote, my movement. I had to change everything. I had to abandon it and completely shift gears. I was in a freaking panic. But thank God I'm an improviser because life is improv. That means anything can happen in at any time. We can't control other people, places, and or things, but yo, I get to control what happens next. So I did. I took the next step and then the next one and then the next one. And not only did I learn about trademarking in the legal system and what it looks like to take a deep breath and trust myself, but there was a major lesson in this moment. And it's this. I learned that we never know what's good or what's bad. And one of my life mantras has become this, who knows what's good or bad. Let me tell you something. 
That seemingly bad moment, that scary, embarrassing rock bottom actually was the best thing that ever happened to me because if I wouldn't have gotten that cease and desist, I'd probably still be going down that path and who knows where it would have taken me, but it was the cease and desist of that concept that opened the door to me exploring my relationship with fear. And what I came to learn was that the reason people don't put themselves out there or do the things they want to do is because they're afraid. And improv theater was actually not really helping me with my brand. It was helping me reframe my relationship with fear. I was getting brave on the improv stage, which was helping me get really brave in the boardroom. And I always joked that that when I was at Second City studying improv and performing and being in the training program and conservatory was like my fear yoga. It was where I was going every night to get Zen with my fear. So I started leaning into that conversation I was having with myself about fear, ultimately deciding and figuring out that that was actually the secret, that we actually have to be friends with our fear, that we have to figure out how to make fear our homeboy, our ride or die, if we really want to make things happen in this world. Because change requires action and action requires guts. So out of the ashes of that cease and desist rose up the magic that has become the movement of making fear your homeboy. That scary, shameful moment is how my book, Fear is My Homeboy, and all my work that exists today became to be. So who knows? Who knows what's good or bad? Flash forward three, four years, and I'm talking about being a hashtag fear boss. And I ultimately get to a point because it too picks up speed and everybody's saying it. The hashtag is going wild. I Googled it just to see about trademarking it. And when I Google it, I find out there's another fear boss. And his name is John Melby. And he is a retired Blue Angel pilot who calls himself the fear boss and even named his plane Fear Boss. And he also owns fearboss.com. So guess what I did? I did not send John Melby a cease and desist. I pick up the phone and I call Mr. Fear Boss himself, who just so, by the way, happens to live in Arizona and will officially be meeting up in person one day soon. But I pick up the phone and I call the Fear Boss and I introduce myself to him and I tell him who I am and what we're doing. And I essentially ask him if he would grant me his blessing to use hashtag fear boss out in the wild, since it's not conflicting with the work he's doing as a pilot, but equally on a mission to help people do more brave things to which he says, oh, Judy, it would be my honor. He's this great little old guy, you know, and he goes, I just have one request. And I go, sure, John, like anything, what is it? He goes, and I'm not kidding you. I can't. I just want you to promise me one thing. Can I be your wingman? Stop. I mean, I cannot even with him. Like the most precious. I was like, of course, fear boss. You, I can be your wingman. You be my wingman. We got this, right? So like, it was awesome. Like we had sent some emails, ended up getting on the phone and I just opened the door to leading with love instead of fear to talk to him. I never wanted him to feel like, oh my God, I'm like, you know, approaching on his turf, but hold on. We're both out there doing brave things with totally different perspectives. Maybe we can help each other. So anyway, we loosely stay in touch. And I did ask that should he ever retire fearboss.com? I want to be first in line for that domain to which he said, of course. So what a beautiful gift. And we got it coming from a place of love and not fear because who knows 
what's good or bad. The cease and desist I received was an action taken out of fear. Someone fearful that I was going to steal something from her or hurt her or her business or her brand or her reputation. It was, a, it was something sent out of lack instead of love and abundance and trust and possibility and enoughness, right? Because who knows what's good or bad. This story is packed with so many lessons. And, you know, the lessons are lessons about business and trademarking and the legal system, of course, but also about collaboration and the evolution of entrepreneurship and specifically on what it takes uh, to be a creative out in the world where everything is borrowed from the universe. And our job is to put our experience, our lens, our perspective on it. But the most important lesson in this entire story is that we never know what is good or bad. That traffic light that wouldn't turn, that took forever, could have saved you from getting in a horrible accident five minutes earlier. There are so many stories out of 9-11 of people whose taxi cabs didn't show up or whose flights were delayed. And if those flights or taxi cabs would have been on time, they would have been in the building when it got hit. Who knows what's good or bad? When you wake up every day with the core belief that things are happening for you and not to you, you will never lose. I am so damn grateful for that cease and desist moment because if it hadn't happened, fear's my homeboy. Maybe, probably would have never been written and maybe, just maybe, we wouldn't be here together right now talking about courage, the courage it takes to keep moving despite the curveballs life will throw at us. Sometimes we need to cease and desist in order to awaken the path we're really supposed to be on because who knows what's good or bad. All right, that's number eight. Number eight of 11 or 12. Um, Talk to me. What did you think about that? Um, That story, that moment. Um, What did you learn? DM me, talk to me, message me, email me. I want to hear your biggest takeaway. You can always find me on the gram. Email me, hello at judyholler.com. And yo, I hope you loved this show, this episode, as much as I loved making it for you. And frankly, to be frank, I'm so glad I shared that story. It felt really good to write it out, to think it out, to get it out, and to take its, its beautiful lessons and use them to help you make some progress in your own life, or maybe lessen a fear you may have about putting yourself out there. All right, guys. Uh, Thank you for the love. Thank you for listening. Thanks for the reviews. Don't forget to do a review. And thank you uh, for the gift of your time. We'll see you again right here next week. In the meantime, stay in the action.